On this week's episode of Read, Watch, or DNF, we enlist to go to the front line of the Great War and slum it in the trenches with a group of shell-shocked soldiers in Eric Maria Remarque's novel, All Quiet on the Western Front, and the new Netflix original adaptation of the same name. And we ask the question, is it wrong, quote-unquote, to adapt literary fiction as genre? Also, uh, thank you, Netflix, for not showing the horses. Yep. If you know, you know. Yep. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Read, Watch, or DNF, the podcast where we, Mel B, and the lovely Jackie D, your hosts, drunkenly break down book-to-screen adaptations each week. We flip a coin to see who will read or watch first, then we come together to compare notes, see how closely the adaptation follows the book, which of those we prefer, and if the order in which we read-watch affects our reviews, and why do we do all this? Um, it, it doesn't really matter. We it's just, a mystery. We got drunk and said, yeah, we were like, this sounds like a good idea. And we've just stuck with it because we're hard-headed. Yeah. Anyway, but we watch and we read. So hopefully you don't have to DNF. If this is your first time with us, welcome. If you are returning, we absolutely love you. You are our best friends. And if you haven't done so already, maybe stop by one of uh, the platforms that you listen to us on and give us a review. Maybe give us a rating, five stars if you think we deserve it. Uh, But the review, it definitely helps us, especially on Apple, because it makes our podcast more visible so other people can, you know, share in the ridiculousness. Also, check us out on our social medias. Facebook, unfortunately, we do have that. Our (laughs) social media manager would not let me. uh, She vetoed the several attempts. I said, we don't need it. We don't, she was like, no, no, I think we should keep it. I'm like, huh. So it, that's there. Uh, TikTok, the new TikTok account, because we, we did get banned. Yes, we got banned. <laughs> Instagram, and of course, the Twitter, our new favorite, because Twitter is probably uh, the book tweet. It's my favorite. Mm-hmm. You're all feral. You're all absolutely fucking feral, and we love you. But you can find us at ReadWatchDNF. And if you're looking for us on TikTok, it's at Read. Wait, at read, watch, DNF underscore podcast, because the last, we couldn't use the last account's username. It's gone forever. News. So we have uh, reached a pretty cool milestone on Apple Podcasts. We have reached a thousand listens on Apple Podcasts alone. That's huge for us because we went from being just super small podcast to still very small podcast but for us that's really cool so for all of you out there really really appreciate that um the other platforms we have several thousand but that's across like multiple platforms so it's really 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 cool and also to the belgium listeners we love you because you are actually our number two most downloaded country uh, or yeah in the world um, we did have our first book giveaway, which is really cool. It went to the lovely book loving nerd 87. Uh, she follows us on Instagram and Twitter and she wrote us a really lovely review and she joined and she won a copy of where the crawdads sing. Um, so have fun with it. We tore that book and that movie to pieces, but we really hope you enjoy it. <laughs> I mean, 
this is just two people's opinion here on this podcast. So two very not important people. Every everybody <laughs> likes their own thing. Yeah, so we hope that you enjoy it. Have a good time with it. Uh, we do have another giveaway coming up very soon. So keep an eye on the Instagram and the Twitter. Also, if you're in our Discord, we'll keep you up to date there. But it will be a copy of my favorite. Very, very special, dear to my heart. A copy of The Lady in the York. Yay. For all you monster fuckers out there. <laughs> the dedication, our F-bombs for this episode is going to a Twitter bestie, as I'll call her. Um, that's Emmy, and her handle is at BBYPOV, uh, because she came out of nowhere, and she has the most feral energy out there, and I love it. Love it. Like, she's literally coming at me in the comments with demands, threats, and also, like, I love you. <laughs> and I'm, I, I live for it. But why we're dedicating the F-bombs to her right now <laughs> is because if I'm thinking about it, if I really had to do some trench warfare, that is the type of energy I want with me definitely not necessarily at my back but like in my peripheral mm -hmm. <laughs> okay because she's just you don't know what she's gonna do so emmy this is for you jackie what are we drinking uh i am drinking an aleworks weekend weekend lager it is a munich style hellas lager i figured an ode to the setting or the the would you call them protagonists or just well, I mean, there's Paul. He's yeah. the main. He's the protagonist, I guess. Yeah. They are German. From Deutschland. Sie sind Deutsch. It's a brewery out of Williamsburg, Virginia. I was down in Norfolk, passing through. So, got me some ale work. We had a happy hour after work today, all right? I'm, I had a, I had a couple of drinks. I'm, I'm feeling good. Mm -hmm. uh, but also, I'm pretty sure I'm getting sick. So, I am drinking a ginger ale and water. Right now, I'm just going to be honest with you. Just being I'm, smart. I'm tipsy. Yeah, I'm, I'm tipsy, but I'm hydrating right now because I don't want to be sick. Yep. When you get to mine and Jackie's age, it doesn't, it's not fun. No. But I do have a cocktail. The cocktail is a All Quiet on the Western Front inspired, and it is called the Sidewalker Cocktail. Hmm. We'll put this in the, the Discord for you so you can see it. But I just want to read the ingredients for you real quick. So we have three-fourths cup Applejack, or it's like an apple brandy. Hmm. Then we have a three-fourths cup of lemon juice. A quarter cup of maple syrup. And it says, use good quality syrup. Stuff from Canada or... Something, yeah. Somebody who specializes in maple syrup. Yeah. Two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar. Or it just says apple cider. If you're giving me the choice between apple cider vinegar and apple cider, I'm, gonna I'm go going to choose apple, apple cider, cider. every single time. Yeah. <laughs> now, one Hefeweizen beer and lemon wedges to garnish. So I think you're like, you're mixing up the top ingredients and then pouring a Hefeweizen beer into it. That sounds like multiple servings though. Um, Unless you're going in a stein. Yeah, it's making like a pitcher, okay. it looks like. Yeah. But I mean, it it looks interesting. I might, you know me and beer, but I might give it a try. So we'll post that recipe for everyone on the Discord. But yes, the Sidewalker. Jackie, do we get a drinking game? Yes, we do. Fantastic. It's from drinkwin.ca. Drinkwin, anyone says, Paul, mm. when you see blood, it's a war movie. Okay. So. Yeah. There's lots of blood. Um, mm -hmm. You see food slash produce. There's a shot of the landscape, if you can call it that. It's mostly blown out trees and trenches and stuff. <laughs> um, okay. it, it cuts to German high command. So essentially, anytime you see Daniel Brühl. 
and the music swells. And then it has broom, broom, broom after that. We need to talk about that music at some point. It was kind of trippy. Like, almost gave me a headache. It, it was. Is that all the rules? Yes, that is. Let's talk about who read and who watched first. I went ahead and read first. And I read the Mass Market Paper Book, which is a, a Ballantine book published by Random House. It is translated to English from German by A.W. Wien. Wien. Uh, and yes, watched it on Netflix because that is what we are doing this month. We are doing Netflix original adaptations. Again, watched first because Mel read first and uh, also Netflix. Weird. <laughs> um, and read Kindle Random House reissue edition September 3rd, 2013. But even though it came, it was published in 2013, it still had that sticker on the digital cover now major oh yours had a sticker on it yeah. mine doesn't mine's like a just a, a nice copy of it yeah that's what my cover looked like but it also had this the sticker thing on it hey now on netflix dumb yeah. don't like it um so obviously yes ours are reissued repub uh, republished copies but the original story was published in 1930 an interesting fact about it it was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize in 1931. Hmm. So I bet you there were no no Germans on that voting panel. Okay, let's do a quick overview. And we're also going to do a quick history lesson. Because I don't think a lot of people are that savvy on World War One. You might know the basics. We're not going to get into a lot of detail. But just to understand the context behind the story... So World War I, also known as the Great War, began in 1914 after the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand of Austria. His murder sort of like shot it into this, catapulted this into a war across Europe. It was the it straw lasted. that broke the camel's back. Yeah, because there's a lot of tensions that's going on at the time. Those are all the nuances. There's, it's not always one reason, right? So this was just like, fuck you, right? Essentially, I would equate it to... Um, the attack on Pearl Harbor, which forced American hands to like actually join World War II, mm -hmm. right? Before then, it was kind of like, oh, all right, yeah, we'll just we'll send you stuff, we'll help you. And then the attack on Pearl Harbor was like, no, fuck that, like it's on. Yeah, because the Archduke you know? was actually assassinated in I think Sarajevo. Mm -hmm. So it it was from 1914 to 1918. It's actually November of 1918 is when we finally cease war. November 11th. So during the conflict, we have the central powers, which is Germany, Austria, Hungary, because they were of one, Bulgaria, and the Ottoman Empire at the time. And just so you know, after this war, it really broke down a lot of these countries, uh, the empires, dynasties. We we got rid of, um, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, the Kaiser. The Kaiser, yeah. yeah. So a lot of these countries like changed, split up, changed their whole political structure because of this war. Um, and then they fought against the Allied powers or the Allies, which was Great Britain, France, Russia, Italy, Romania, Canada, Japan, and the United States. But again, the United States in World War One is sort of similar to World War Two, where it wasn't like right from the beginning. It was kind yeah, of like they entered in 1917. Yeah, like right before the essentially they had a year of it. Uh, but also like World War Two, there were Americans that sort of volunteered mm -hmm. to go over and help. Same thing with World War One. So it's like we had a presence, but it wasn't until later, like, okay, finally, like, this has to end. Let's go. We're going to come over and help you. <laughs> this is the first kind of like modern war as well, which we hear about 
tales of like the Civil War, um, the French Revolution, like things like that, where it's still bloody and there's still a lot of bad things that are happening. But the Great War brought all these different countries together with all of this new technology. And, you know, technology is always for the advanced and so the good, but there's always somebody that's going to just turn it and twist it into something horrible. The Great War was like really our first modern warfare where it was just absolutely terrifying with the type of the flamethrowers, the the tanks coming through. I mean, that is Gas. insane. Gas. Yeah. The reason the Geneva yeah, Convention yeah. came to be. Stuff, <laughs> stuff that, that rules in the Geneva Conventions exist because of. Yeah. Because it was like, whoa, this was fucking too much. Let's never do this again. But obviously, we still test the boundaries today. Finally, Allied Powers won. Obviously, Germany, this is sort of like leads up to and some argue it's a cause of World War II, right? The way Germany was just sort of um, left in pieces and really in a shitty place. But the Great War took 16 million people, 16 million lives, soldiers, civilians, because you remember they're they're fighting like in people's backyards mm-hmm. essentially right killed a lot of people we lost a lot of lives and then finally the treaty of versailles that is the big document agreement there which sort of broke up the ottoman empire and that was everyone agreeing to like let's stop doing this there you go world war one fucking sucked a lot of innocent people died and this book describes the horrors that happened in those trenches now let's talk about what this book is about. If you go into Goodreads and you read the synopsis or if you're reading the back of the book, we have this. This is the testament of Paul Baumer, who enlists with his classmates in the Germany army of World War I. These young men become enthusiastic soldiers, but their world of duty, culture, and progress breaks into pieces under the first bombardment in the trenches. Through years of vivid horror, Paul holds fast to a single vow, to fight against the hatred that meaninglessly pits young men of the same generation, but different uniforms against one another. If only he can come out of the war alive. All right, Jackie, what do we got for IMDb's one sentence description? (laughs) A young German soldier's terrifying experiences and distress on the Western Front during World War I, period. Thank you, IMDb. They really boiled it down to in as few words as they possibly could. Jackie, they're writing for impact. That's not a very (laughs) impactful statement, though. It was directed by Edward Berger. Runtime is two hours and 28 minutes. I'm going to tell you right now, it felt longer than that. It is rated R for strong, bloody war violence and grisly images. I can promise you there's quite a few of them. I had to do a little digging because this is where we normally get into the estimated budget and what the worldwide gross was and stuff like that. From Wikipedia, and again, from Wikipedia, that is my disclaimer. Don't use this as a source. If you're in college, never use Wikipedia. If you cite Wikipedia in a paper in college, you will fail that paper. Automatically. Yeah. But for podcasts, who cares? Yeah. $20 million, which I kind of find hard to believe. Too low? Yeah. Yeah, I think think it's low. For, For what they had in there... Because it's definitely the cinematography and being on location is is absolutely beautiful yeah. and astonishing. So, I mean, maybe they did. Maybe German actors don't require big salaries. I don't know. Well, if if you look at the, the casting on IMDb, most of those actors don't have even any like headshots or anything next to their name. Yeah. So and the, the guy that plays Paul, this is his only role that is listed in IMDb. Yeah. He's done some theater work, but on, on screen... 
this is the only thing. Unless they have, you know how we have Colonial Williamsburg and like battlefields around the United States? Oh, like they're reenactors? Yeah, unless they have like some kind of reenactment site in Europe somewhere. They're actually uh, actors from like the local community theater. Probably. They just pulled them out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not entirely unbelievable. My mom knows some reenactors that have been in some Civil War movies. Yeah. She'll watch I mean, the movies in the theater and be like, hey, that's so-and-so. I'm like, mom, shut up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I wasn't really able to find anything on the earnings because it did uh, debut at the 47th Toronto International Film September Film Festival in September. Um, it was September 12th, 2022. It played mm-hmm. exclusively at the Paris Theater in New York on October 7th before expanding to other theaters um, from October 14th all, but it launched on Netflix worldwide on October 28th. Okay. So we're talking two weeks. Favorite part, reviews. Yay. Let's go. Book on Goodreads with uh, about 415,000, almost 416 ratings. Uh, It's 4.04 out of 5. I think it's pretty good for this yeah. type. It is a literary fiction classic. You kind of fall into that where people want to seem pretentious and vote it high. I have some different thoughts about that for this book, but yeah, four point about four out of five. It does have about fourteen thousand five hundred reviews, so a lot of people have actually written about it. Highest percentage forty percent being five out of five, then thirty percent being four out of five, thirty-three percent I should say four out of five. 18%, 3 out of 5, and then 2 to 1 stars is about 7%. 5 out of 5. Futile! Exclamation point. I was just beginning to reach the age when you become critical of the world around you when I first read this book. You know, a teenager on her high horse. But rereading this book still makes me feel the same. The futility of war. The utter waste of life. What a shame. Why can't the generals go down into the trenches? Question let them fight it out. Wouldn't be a lot of wars. <laughs> so <laughs> this reminds me of like one of those. But I'm, I'm kind of interested. It's a female that's reviewing it, right? Saying that they read it before and then decided to read it again later on in life. I find that kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I also think that this is a little pretentious. But I would say when I read stuff like this, I do get the feeling that this person has no understanding of like how wars actually come to be and what's going on. Yeah. Because they're like, why don't the generals go down there? I'm like, the generals don't want this either. No, they don't. (laughs) No, nobody involved in that war really actually wants it. I would say like, well, not nobody, but maybe like 95% of the people involved don't want it. And the generals are not starting wars. The generals in almost in every country, unless it's like some, some tribal state where the general like is the president like generals don't start wars yeah <laughs> generals don't start wars and they don't end wars they just see the units through yeah and they make strategic decisions yeah. that's it yep but you know i get you i get i get the sentiment yeah i'm with you three out of five right down the middle this book is so raw and gruesome that i'm sure a story like paul's is real i wasn't sure what to give this book because well it was just so hopelessly depressing it made me so depressed that at times I just had to put it down and breathe. I don't regret reading it because I learned a lot about the war, a a lot about what war is really like, but I just felt so hopeless about everything. If you're anything like me and can't handle a lot of hopelessness, then have something like Winnie the Pooh on hand to cheer you up. Oh my gosh. So I respect this rating because they're just like, I, I can't say that I enjoyed it, 
But I will say for readers, when you're writing reviews, think about the way the book, especially in literary fiction, how is it making you feel? Is it bringing out intense emotions? Because that in itself is sort of a testament to the quality of the book, right? Um, But I respect this review. Now, one out of five. I did not enjoy reading this book. It was written from an interesting perspective, but it makes you snore. While I read this book, I would finish two pages and then fall asleep. This happened multiple times. Perhaps I was abnormally tired while I read it. The ending was predictable as well. Like, what? It was a war. No. Like, it's like it's like the ending of Titanic is predictable. <laughs> it is a war book, so what happens is obvious. Okay. <laughs> However, I did enjoy the personal opinions of the war from some of the characters. Got it. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. This is my favorite one. Because <laughs> it's not really talking about the book at all. This book is really depressing. LOL. <laughs> also, you can tell that this was translated from German due to the amount of commas. Really? <laughs> you know how else you can tell it was translated from German? Um, if you look at the first fucking page and it says translated from German. <laughs> but you go on. You do you. Oh, I love people. I'm going to have to pay attention to German text from now on and be like, are there a lot of commas? <laughs> So she's not, or he or she is not critiquing this book, really, except for it's depressing, LOL. LMFAO. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I don't understand how LOL follows. It's so no. depressing. It's just like, it's depressing, one of five, but really, German and their commas? Fuck. Like, <laughs> I'm just, so just going to be like, I'm so goth, LOL. Uh, I heart reviewers. We really do. Don't stop doing what you're doing, but try to do better. Please do better. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Movie IMDb 7.8 out of 10. Uh, it was just under 129,000 ratings. Of that, only 588 people bothered to write a review, but whatever. <laughs> uh, highest percentage was 8 out of 10 at 36.8. Uh, 10 out of 10 was 11.6%. 9 out of 10 was 19.9%. Um, 7 out of 10 was 21.4%. And it goes down from there. And the bottom 6 was just at a little over total of 10% of the ratings. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. So it, again, was a big middle finger. <laughs> yeah. 10 out of 10, better than the original. Let me start by saying the original is a masterpiece and would rate it 10 out of 10 like I have done for the second remake, which is actually the third remake. Yeah. The difference is that the cast is German and the story is different, if not the same. There is so much that is great in this movie that I have decided to concentrate on just a minor detail, and that is teeth. Yes, you heard me. Teeth. The things that are in your mouth that you use to chew food. So often in war movies, the cast goes through hell and still have milky white teeth, which would be almost impossible in combat. But here, even that detail is covered. Minor detail, as I say, but still covered. Everything else is done so well that there is little not to quibble about. The opening sequence alone is as moving an anti-war sentiment as has ever been put on screen. So the trees and the foxes? Yeah. All right. I mean, I get it. It was yeah. very artistic. Yeah. This is what nature should look like. And this is what happens when war comes yeah, to it. the neighborhood. Yeah. But teeth. Teeth. So he's upset about white teeth. Yeah. That's fair. 
but not in this movie because they got it right. <clears throat> and after I read that, I went, I thought to myself, wait a second. But then I don't pay attention to people's teeth in movies. So, yeah. whatever. <sighs> Another 10 out of 10, a masterpiece. Film is always told through the lens of the director. It is a director's medium. It is never the job of a narrative feature film to remain entirely true to the novel or short story, or even a real-life story. That is called documentary. If you want the novel version, read the book. However, this, and in all caps, extrapolates the essence of the book in a magnificent way. Right. The portrayal of World War I from the German side. The humanity, the complexity, the horror of war is clearly expressed in a luscious cinematic embrace. The actors are excellent and the cinematography is outstanding. I felt within the experience and wish to savor the film and many thoughts and feelings about it I have. Before I watch anything else, I congratulate the filmmakers on this one. Cool. Which the one thing that the reason I pulled that review out is because because of the part where it said it is never the job of a narrative feature film to remain entirely true to the novel or short story. I would agree with that. That's fair. Yeah. Eight out of ten. Finally, a good World War One movie. Finally, a decent World War One movie. These are few and far between in cinema. It's not quite as perfect as I'd heard and wasn't a fan of the dullish political scenes with Daniel Brühl, which I felt dragged down the pacing and made the whole thing feel quite overlong at times, taking away from the immediacy of the trench warfare. However, focusing on the action, this film constantly impresses. The colors are exceptional, the cinematography excellent, far surpassing Nolan's 1917, and it's as realistically brutal as you'd hope for. Numerous adaptations of the novel have been made over the years, but this modern interpretation might well be the best of them. I got a question. Yeah. Since they referenced 1917, mm -hmm. uh, I have some notes because while I was reading, I, a lot of it sounded very familiar mm -hmm. to 1917. Yeah. There's the scene like with the cherry trees mm -hmm. and some other stuff that happened. And even some of the like the dialogue, I think that they pulled from this book. Yeah. Which I think it's just playing, paying homage. So yeah. I wasn't like, oh, they're stealing it. Yeah. Even though 1917 is, is said from the Allied side. Mm -hmm. Okay. Question. You've seen 1917, right? Yes. Didn't we see it together? I think so. I know we yeah, saw Dunkirk together. Which was I think we saw this one together. Yeah. Too. If you had to choose between watching 1917 and All Quiet on the Western Front Netflix, what would you choose? I don't think either. Really? Yeah. I would pick 1917. Okay, so here's my thing. Degree in history. Hugely mm. interested in Reformation Renaissance Europe and also oh, yeah. hugely interested in World War II Europe. I honestly feel for me that World War I was entirely too brutal for my taste. I can't I can't I mean, stomach it. I mean it was. I can't stomach it. It was really brutal. Yeah. Yeah. That's like where I just fucking the devil came out to play, I think they're not yeah. war. I just I one of the classes that I took at Georgia Southern, it was all World War One. That was a rough class to get through. Because you're yeah, talking about brutal. a lot of primary sources. Yeah. It was awful. I don't think people realize this, but um, actually cosmetic surgery, mm -hmm. what it is today, owes itself uh, to World War One. Yeah. Because it was uh, combat surgeons yeah. that were trying to reconstruct faces and limbs and stuff. So yeah. cosmetic surgery today is uh, a product, a byproduct of World War One. Yeah. He goes into detail in the book talking about people missing jaws. I'm like... Yeah, it is it is definitely brutal. A lot of people it just... But I would say, like, taking the content aside and just the 
enjoyment factor or like what was just more appealing, what felt better. I think 1917 for what it was was just a more stunning execution. Yeah, I'll I'll agree with you. Like if if somebody told me that I had to sit down and it was a matter of life or death because I'm German, I'm going to go there. <laughs> I would pick 1917. Okay. Yeah, and I think maybe my I'm a little biased because 1917 isn't pulling from source material, mm-hmm. but them filming it the way they did, which is actually something really new like the whole one mm-hmm. shot, you know, not any, it I felt like it was more impactful. Mhm where you still got that sense of like the fast moving plot, but you also connected with some of those characters. Yeah. But we'll get into that. Continue, Jackie. Okay, final review. It's another one out of one. The one out of one. Sorry, the last one was eight out one of, out of ten. At, one out of ten. Jeez. <laughs> it's been a long one day. One out of one. It's been a long day. I've been up since 3.30, so. This reviewer wouldn't even allow for ten stars. One out of one. One out of ten. Boring. I read a bunch of reviews reviews before watching this. All saying it was the best movie they'd seen all year. Edge of your seat, disturbing, and leaves you a lot to think about. I didn't find this at all. There was nothing too disturbing about this movie, except maybe a few sad scenes. I found it long, hard to follow, and boring. There was nothing new in this film as far as realistic war scenes that haven't been done before. Saving Private Ryan, among many others, they have eight far better, but I think they meant are far better. No, they might mean eight. That's like a new word okay. I'm seeing where they say eat and eight. I had to ask the Twitter besties about it and they explained it. So they, they might actually, this looks like it's in the right context. What is happening? What, what is happening <laughs> yeah. to the English language? <laughs> I found it predictable. Another person who talks about predictability, uh, especially the end. Again, I say in my best Janine Garofalo from Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion. What? Oh my God! No! (sighs) In which I was happy with my prediction as the movie would finally be over. There's so many better war movies out there. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, one out of ten. So this is where we usually go into casting. Uh, We go through the actors and where they've been and kind of say if you think they fit. Sincerest apologies to any listeners we have in Germany. We don't mean yeah. any disrespect to your actors, actresses, stuff like that. Yeah, your your Screen Academy over there. Yeah. We're sorry, um, but really, there, there's only one recognizable and an actor who actually has an IMDb page, and that's Daniel Bruhl, and that's the, the Alienist, which is also based on a book, uh, Captain America: Civil War, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. He's he is German, I think. He speaks German. He plays... So he speaks like seven different languages. Um, his he mom does. is Spanish. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he does speak a whole bunch of languages. Because even in, I think, uh, Captain America is and he's speaking like a whole shit ton of languages. I think so. There's Russian, German, I think. Yeah. And something else. Yeah. So uh, we got Daniel Brühl. All right. He is who he is. He's huge. Um, he's also one of those, I think, unconventional handsome dudes. I look at him and I go... I see it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it might be the languages too. I have like a thing for that. Um, but everyone else, they don't even have an IMDb. There's not even anything for us to talk about. That's why we're saying they pulled them out of a local community theater. Well, there, there are some, cause I was looking through some of them. They have extensive listings of previously in whatever, but it's all German stuff. Yeah. But we don't know it. Yeah. It's all German. Yeah, we don't know it. We haven't seen it. We can't. You tell us. Okay. You tell us, listeners, 
who it, what your thoughts are about this casting, okay? Yes. I will say my one critique on the casting. Um, actually, I have two. First is Daniel Brule, you're amazing and I love you, but I just feel like you are unnecessary. Yes. We didn't need that. Mm-hmm. You could have done something else in that movie and it would have been better. But th- anyway, you, you killed it, okay? My biggest issue, though, is the actor. And it's not the actor. I think the actor did fine. And I think a lot of the actors in this did fine. I've heard critiques that they didn't like the acting. And I wonder if that's because people watched it dubbed. And I was really apprehensive about starting to watch it because I hate dubbing. Mm-hmm. I would rather just read stuff that I hate dubbing so much. I actually wasn't that put off by this dubbing. Yeah, and normally when I watch stuff that's dubbed, I'll also have the English subtitles up and then you can catch the differences between the two. This, I didn't even pay attention to the subtitles. I just listened to the dubbing. So, Paul, my complaint is the way that they portrayed him and not the acting. Acting was fine. It's just the way they portrayed the character. I almost felt like he was a little bit of a bitch. Do you agree? Yeah. What do you think? There were some, I'm not talking about the moments where he's dealing with shit that's going on around him or the scene where he kind of kills that guy in reaction and he's kind of like dealing with the emotions, right? Go through it. I'm talking about like him in the bunker whimpering, him like hiding under stuff and just his general demeanor. Because from coming from reading the book, he's a young kid and I get it that they want to portray it like that and he's out of his element and he's scared. But he's still, like, a kind of a badass and pretty brazen, mm-hmm. right? Like, what's his name? Himmel? Himmelston? Himmelstoss. Um, he, like, just fucking attacks him when that guy starts being a little bitch in the book. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They could have let him be a little bit more ballsy, a little more stand-up, but it is what it is. Well, on that point, talking yeah. about why him and his group of friends even joined the army... In the movie, it makes it seem like they were all, like, riled up and motivated to do it. In the book, it makes it seem like they were bullied into doing it. Yeah, like, their their headmaster, yeah. whoever it was, was kind of like, you know, any decent young man or strong young man would do this. You're a disgrace if you don't. You'd be embarrassed or some, something to that effect. Which, that was true in any country that was involved in the war. Because in England, uh, men were getting harassed by women if they were seen walking around not in uniform. In the United States, it happened too. So, if you did not join, if you were able body and you did not join, you were a coward. You were the lowest of yeah. the low. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. It does, and it was weird, like them showing the school scenes when they were younger, because you don't get that in the book per se. It's just sometimes he kind of like talks a little bit about it or describes it. I think that was something that they got from the original adaptation because the original adaptation starts the same way, shows them in school. Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so this is one of those where they're kind of like adapting the adaptation. Yeah. Okay. All right. That makes sense. But yeah, I agree. Like, it, it just made it seem like they riled him up and were like, all right, now go change to your uniform. Mm-hmm. We're going to do this a, just a little bit different than we usually do because we just said it's adaptation of an adaptation. We have a literary fiction novel here that we both believe was adapted sort of in the genre feel. Like, it's a, it's a war action film or a, a dramatic war film. So g- genre, well, not literary fiction. Some of the issues is I feel like they adapted it in that way because they wanted to get a little bit deeper or show more vividly 
how brutal it was. But I feel like my opinion is that the book is way more brutal I think the, than the movie. I think the book did a fine job yeah. of showing how brutal it was. Yeah. And in the way where it's like shocking too, where you're reading and you're, they're just kind of joking around and then all of a sudden it's just shit hits the fan and you're like, what happened? Yeah. Where the movie is like, you kind of know that stuff's happening and um, then they have a little bit of a lull. Then you have an action scene again. It's very saving private Ryan-esque, if I felt. Yeah. Also, I mean, the book, like you said, it was much more character driven. And yeah. you get to see a lot more, especially of Paul. He goes home on R&R and he absolutely cannot adjust. And I think yeah. that is the most glaring picture that you can draw of somebody who's gone through something like that, put them back in their comfort zone or back in or what used to be their comfort zone home with family and stuff like that and show them completely not able to function at all. And then on the other side of that, having to go back. Yeah. Where in the book, he's talking about how he had gotten to a place of such, I, would, I don't want to say hopelessness, but like. He had, they had just accepted it is what it is. They are where they are and whatever happens, happens. Where going back home, all of a sudden it's like, wait, I have a future. I have my family. I want to be here. I miss them. Mm -hmm. And then having to go back is like now they're conflicted internally because they can't reach that like blank slate feeling anymore. And they're actually scared mm -hmm. again or before they were a little desensitized. I think they could have done without the school scenes the generals, the military, the armistice scenes, and done like a quick sort of maybe not montage, but montage esque of like he gets sent home, then he comes back. Or one of the hospital stints. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't show any of that either. Where he was in the hospital several times, got to go home for it, then had to come back, then he went on leave. Like it, that in itself, if you really want to talk about the traumas of war, the emotional trauma is really what's i mean just look at today all of the focus that we have on ptsd like that is that's real mm -hmm. and this sort of home leave yeah you want them to go see their families and stuff but that's just emotional trauma on itself yep i think they should have showed that but it takes away from the carnage i know like you still could have had carnage but still like the book has more carnage than the movie so i'm like yeah. you had two and a half hours and the book is not that long. The book's like 300, not even 300 pages. Mm -hmm. And it's like, uh, Mrs. Harris, it's like, how did you take this essentially short story and make it into a four hour movie? Like, what <laughs> happened? So they're just adding like all this extra shit for like artistic purposes. I don't know. But it's not really, you're not getting the point across that this book does. So anyway, you know what? Let's not beat this dead horse. At least we didn't see any of those in the movie. I, I do not, appreciate yeah, that. Not uh, obviously. Yeah. But that was another thing, too, because remember they talk about the horses where that was something where in the book, how they're describing it, because remember, there's a lot of horses used during World War One, and they also were casualties, right? They're, they're out there. No, they're getting fucking chewed up, ate up, destroyed. But for all the guys who could that were in the trenches, like they're watching their buddies next to them, like get their heads blown off and it doesn't affect them. Mm -hmm. But the sound of the horses in pain and dying and suffering was like too much mm -hmm. for these guys to handle to the point where they would leave shelter yeah. 
just so they could get up and put the horses out of their misery. They are running into live fire, active fighting, just to put the horses out of their misery. Like, that's deep. Did I tell you that my great-grandfather was in the German cavalry during World War I? The Nazis, yeah. They weren't Nazis yet. (laughs) And he was not not a Nazi. Yeah, he was in the German cavalry. He was in Ulan. Oh, see. Yeah. Oh, I don't think I would be able to do it with those horses. 1917, where they're going across no man's land finally. And, you know, they do have the dead horse. Oh, God, it was too. That to me, like all the other dead bodies, the guys, I'm like, oh, that sucks. The like one horse corpse. I'm like, no, Mm -hmm. no. You're just like my mom. It's so true. I hate it. Like the Civil War, like the worst part of Braveheart is the horses coming at him. And they, I know they're all fake. They made a big point of showing how they filmed that scene, but I still can't watch it. My mom will not watch this movie because of the horses, because of what she's oh. heard. I'm like that. There's no. It's but in. The, they don't show any horses. No, it's in the book. It's not in the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Does she? Did you tell her that? No, I didn't. That's not. I was okay. just like, okay, mom. Yeah, like I don't care. But <laughs> if she's listening, she knows now, mother. Yeah, there's no no horses. Yeah. Um, and as like I said, as much as I appreciate that they didn't show it, because that really just would have been rough. Like if their point of this was to really showcase the traumas and atrocities, that right there would have been it. And then later on in the book, they also describe you know dogs, say dog mm-hmm. runner things where dogs were getting hit. They had a cat as well, where again, men hardened to war completely numb to all the corpses around them wanted to go out to save the dogs speaking of freaking animals you know Mm -hmm. what was noticeably absent from the movie maybe not completely but remarkably absent rats oh i thought you were gonna say that they just have that one scene where they all run out yeah the imperial war museum in london has an entire exhibit where you're walking through mock-up trench things mm-hmm. and their mascot for that section is a rat and it yeah, takes rats are you, everywhere it takes you through the exhibit yeah that was in in the book they're always yeah. talking about the rats as well like to the point of disdain mm-hmm. like they are they're like there's something about these french rats mm-hmm. and he's describing the way their faces look and their bodies and their tails where it's like there's something even more fucking gross about these rats than any other rats yeah. like they hate these rats <laughs> And this is the point where my mom turns it off. She hates rats. You just say rats and she's like, well, she should no. Hey, mom, listen, mommy, there are no rats. There's only one scene where I think because it's an incoming attack. So the rats kind of alert them to what's happening. They've run out like scamper or whatever. But so no, no rats, no rats. Again, I'm going to say this. I understand animal cruelty is like the worst and it really can turn a lot of people off. It would turn me off. Absolutely. But if I'm going to be real about this, reading this book, those are the points in the book where I was like, this is awful. This is the saddest thing ever. I would also probably run out into live fire <laughs> to try and put a horse out of its misery. I yeah. would not be able to hear that. It's an awful noise. It really is. And honestly, I don't think I've actually ever heard the sound of a horse dying. So I don't, I couldn't even imagine, but I've watched a lot of Dr. Pole. Mm-hmm. So I've heard some horses in pain like slight pain <laughs> and that is enough for me to be like no please help mm-hmm. help the horsey so yeah so we asked the question earlier is it wrong like quote unquote wrong for an adaptation of a literary fiction to be done in the style of genre 
And we've done like a, I would say Mansfield Park was another one where they tried to film it more like a romance genre than the literary fiction that it is. Um, because the book itself, the novel, had me feeling all types of emotions. The movie turned me off. No. This is enough. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> had, it had you feeling one emotion. I know that. Yeah. Absolute rage. <laughs> <laughs> this is another one of those where while I was reading the book, I am feeling a lot of emotion. Because literary fiction, for any of you that don't understand what the difference is, literary fiction is character driven. Where you still have a plot, you still have that story, but the characters drive it. Meaning you are sort of in their shoes, experiencing what they are experiencing. Doesn't matter the point of view that it's being narrated by. It's that is what's driving it. Okay. So usually establish these strong feelings, emotions, relationships with the character. Genre is you still care about the characters, but it's the events that is driving the emotion. Like if you're reading a romance and so and so has to leave them because of whatever, you know, some trauma. It's like, it's it's that. It's not exactly the characters that you give a damn about. It's the fact because you are relating to, oh my God, he's abandoning her. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, the, Where, <laughs> it's the situation. It's the situation. Exactly. Exactly. So they've taken a literary fiction, which is character driven, and they've adapted it in a way that's genre. You get that action, dramatic, war type genre movie. So we are following plot and the, how they're doing is they're showing events, situations, them in school getting into the thing. It even starts off with the fact that they're recycling the clothing that's coming in. You know, people are dying. They're recycling the clothing. They're stitching them. They're cleaning them. Then they're being reissued to younger men that are alive. Right. Then we're following that to the school. They're putting it in and we're following this plot along to get the story. That's genre. Now, I... I don't hate it. I think sometimes it works. I just don't think it worked this time. I personally think if they adapted the book as it was, it would not get the high ratings that it did. Probably Because not. at the end of the, the book, if it ended, or at the end of the movie, if it ended the way that the book did, people would honestly say, what the fuck was the point of the last two and a half hours of my life? But I also think you could probably do this movie in not two and a half hours. True. But, I mean, I, I honestly, if if the movie ended the way that the book did, yeah, people would say, what the fuck? Yeah, I agree. Um, I definitely agree. So, I, I don't know if you, if you need a plot-driven war movie. Like, can you have a war movie that's not... Because even if you did it with the way the book is, you still have the action scenes. It's just that you're not in this purely linear timeline, right? And you're not experiencing it to the fact of progressing the story. You're, you're experiencing it because the character is experiencing it. And you should be feeling, or what the author is trying to do is have you see it through their eyes. Well, probably a lot slower and not as dramatic. I don't know. Look at Band of Brothers. Each episode of Band of Brothers was essentially told from somebody's viewpoint. Mm-hmm. And it was just the events surrounding them that kind of moved the story along, but you were still focused on the characters themselves. Yeah, that's like, it's one of those where it's like, it's trying to do it as a literary fiction, but it's still doing it plot driven. Yeah. It's just because they have you focus on one character. It's like, see, it's all about this character where this book actually had several characters in it that 
you're focused on. Listen, we're not going to come to an answer on this. I think this is one of those in the literary world where just that's what people get paid to do is argue this, <laughs> right? So I don't hate it. And I think for a movie, like if you're definitely going out for the, the mass market, people want action. People can't sit still and, you know, do that very artistic movie anymore. So I, I get it. I get it. This is what we're used to. War films, action, plot driven. So totally fine. Maybe adapt this into a um, limited series or mini series or something like that. Have a couple yeah. of chapters in each episode and follow Paul through his adventures. It could be a thing. Yeah. But then I wonder if you still fall into the people going, oh, my God, it's so slow. I watched it up to the third episode. Still nothing happened. And it's like, but but things are happening. Yeah. So I, I think for this type of media, like you're talking about TV, movies, plays, I maybe maybe Broadway plays are a little bit better suited for that type of um, literary fiction adaptation or, or character driven. Well, and and Band of Brothers was a much better uh, source than than this would be because when you're talking trench warfare, you're talking okay, move five yards this way, yeah, and then five yards back, and then five yards yeah. back further, and then you move twenty <laughs> yards forward, and then you get knocked back fifty yards back. It's just not yeah. not a whole lot of, and then a, you hide in the hole for a minute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then, then some. We're not laughing at trench worker. Then some bombs get dropped and rats. So let's talk about the major differences from the book to the movie, which I don't think there's like a ton that are noteworthy in the sense where it's like it, it made any difference. It's just uh, there's some things they left out, um, or they they showed a little bit different, or they showed in a different time mm-hmm. than it actually happened in the story. Uh, the the big thing is the fact the animals we already talked about that at length didn't have them. I understand it, and I actually I think I appreciate it. The shenanigans that the soldiers are doing is another thing that I wonder if they thought showing the lighthearted stuff would confuse viewers. Like wh- like why are these guys happy? Yeah, I, because it's a coping mechanism. Yeah. I think Jackie and I have both been in the military. We've both deployed several times. We've never encountered trench warfare. We've never even encountered frontline because we are simple women. <laughs> but, you know, we've experienced some of this. Today, and we've experienced the shenanigans where, you know, you're on a 12-hour shift at night having to, you know, watch a compound or something. And you and your cohorts are just being ridiculous. It's how you get through it. It's how you form that sort of family around you so you don't feel like you're alone in this foreign country where everyone is trying to kill you. It is. It's a coping mechanism. But I am curious as to why they didn't show it. And it, it might be because they're trying to appeal to the, the largest audience. And we have to understand that a lot of people don't have a military background. Or if they do, they don't have a wartime experience. So that might be something hard to convey. Probably. I tell people that we had water balloon fights with the Afghani cleaning crew on Bagram. <laughs> and they're like, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. Guess what? They're people yeah. too. And they like to have fun. So yeah, there's, there's that. That is true. They are people too. And that's something big in this story where, you know, they're fighting against the French and, the, and all of them. But like when they get up close, they realize like these are people. Mm-hmm. 
this guy is not much older than I am or not much younger. We probably could have been friends. Yeah. We talked about the home leave. They didn't show that. I honestly feel like they could have done that in a very sort of abstract way, montage-y, mm-hmm. and gotten it across just to show like the, the trauma of coming back and re-entering. And he had to do it several times. He was in the hospital. Then he went home. Um, then I think he went to the hospital again. Then he was put on like some other type of duty where he wasn't in the front line. So it's like you get that reprieve and then you get put back in, yeah. which is like constantly almost like re-breaking the bone yeah. to set it again. The biggest thing, though, other than I think everyone that's watched this and read the books doesn't understand all the like armistice, general meetings, like that's that's not in the book because he has no like he's not privy to that. Yeah. He is like a private in the front lines in a trench. So he has no idea what generals or leaders are doing. And actually, there's a lot of dialogue in the book where it is so blatantly and painfully clear that all of the people in these trenches have no fucking clue why. What's the issue? Having these sort of um, bigger picture debates about, like, are you part of the state or the country or are you part of this war? Do you agree with it? And and kind of going back, playing the devil's advocate with each other. Uh, It is just... (laughs) I don't know if we needed it in the movie, all the general stuff. No, I don't think so. I think the only reason it was included was so that they could have the ending that they did. Yes. Yes. And I agree with that. And that's where I'm getting to on this is because they really do switch up the ending. And let me just explain to you how the book does it. When, uh, what's his name? Cat yeah. dies, his friend. They are coming back and he's a little bit injured. And that was a whole other scene with the kid in the woods. Like that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. He, he got hit, like, they were on an attack. They, they got attacked and they were hit. Like It was war stuff, not them him pissing in the woods and getting shot by a kid. I didn't get that. But he's helping him back. Uh, they're walking along the road. Paul is holding on to him, and they're talking, and they're joking. And then, like, a truck pulls up or something, and it's like a medic. And the medic comes out, and he's like, oh, thank God you're here. Cat is dead mm-hmm. the medic's like oh like i don't know why you were carrying him that long like he's dead he's like no he's not we were just talking something that they didn't really portray in the movie this is the feeling i got from that scene which why it was so impactful to me i have the feeling that paul is imagining it mm-hmm. because he does not want to accept that his last friend is gone he's broken yes yeah so i think he is holding him while wa- hobbling down the street having this conversation in his head with Kat mm-hmm. to the point where the medic rolls up and breaks him out of this. It's so anticlimactic and I didn't really feel anything towards it in the movie. When they kind of get there, he lays him down. He's like, no, he's dead. He's like, no, he's not. He's like, no, no, he's dead. And then walks away and you're looking at him like, eh, he kind of looks dead. Mm-hmm. I felt nothing where in the book, I don't say, I, I didn't cry, but I just had to take like a long, deep breath and I, fe- I felt something. It was pulling on the diaphragm <laughs> that i think is is huge the way that they adapt that and then finally like jackie said we had all that leadership meeting type stuff cut scenes because at the end they have the agreement to do the armistice so they're going to cease fire at a certain time the general is so pissed off because he's like no this is my final stance like, no they're not going to take it so they're literally like 15 minutes before it's supposed to be a ceasefire and they attack the french to the point where the French are in their trench like, 
all right, guys, it was good. You mm-hmm. know, here's a bottle of wine and some cheese. And they're like ready to pack up and go where they hear them running in. And that's where um, Paul, he just, Kat had just died, which is not the case in the book. Like the timeline is much yeah. longer than that. So he's broken, comes back out. There's a younger kid with him and he's like, everyone back out to the trenches. We're going to go. So he just, they all just turn around. Some of them are like, no, you can't make me. Ah! And they're like beating them with butt heads of the rifles and stuff. I'm like, all right. Yeah. First of all, this is my biggest complaint. I can't speak for generals during World War One or generals in Europe, but I'm telling you right now, if the leader, your commander in chief is saying, we're done, there's no general out there that goes, fuck that, let's go. Mm-hmm. It's not happening. Because even if the general did want to do that, his whole staff around him would probably seize him and restrain him. Yeah. And then they would court-martial him. So there's that. But this is the big climactic ending where they're going back into the battle for the last time. Paul is fighting. He's hitting people with his shovel, which is a thing that they talk about in the book for that little shovel thing. Mm-hmm. The spade could really do some damage. <laughs> um, it's he's like, like our, hitting people with the helmet. Like our e-tool. Yeah. 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 Like you can do some damage with that. Fight hand to hand. Then he gets into one of the French uh, trenches and he corners some officer in the little bunker thing. And he gets shot. And then you're looking at him and he's shot through the chest. And you're like, oh, damn. That sucks. It's all dramatic. And he comes like walking out to the sunlight or whatever. And right as the they're all like, ceasefire. So fucking stupid. Then he sits down like a statue. And we're like, oh, it is over. (laughs) Where? (laughs) Now, let me let me just tell you this. You're reading this book, right? And Kat dies. Paul is just absolutely beyond himself. He just wants to go home. I think he gets pulled out again to the front line. Like, this is uh, 1916, or no, 1917 when this happens. The war ends in 1918, uh, November of 1918. So you read the book, it ends, and then all of a sudden you turn the page, and at the bottom of that page it says... He fell in October 1918 on a day that was so quiet and still on the whole front that the army report confined itself to the single sentence, all quiet on the Western front. That to me, still reading it over, gives me goosebumps. Mm -hmm. So it's like he's gone through all this that you happened in the book and then he's still like trying to get along, but he dies a month before the war is over. That is tragic. Mm -hmm. That is the epitome of a tragedy. I would say the biggest, biggest difference is the ending. What do you say to that? Yeah, it it is because it's taking something that would have actually happened in the book. Uh, I mean, the Erzberger stuff with the, the German high command and, and the treaty negotiations, mm-hmm. that was all added. There wasn't even a hint of that. The only hint of that actually was just them talking about rumors of armistice. In yeah, the like conjecture, yeah. Yeah. Himmelstoss was in the book, not in the movie, whatever. And they just didn't feel him necessary. I think in essence, he might have been there because it was the guy right at the beginning who was kind of screaming at them. It's like, get your mask on. And yeah. Calling them all kinds of names. <clears throat> so he was kind of there in spirit. But yeah, the end. What the hell was the point of that? So on that note, uh, <laughs> why don't we talk about our reviews? So I'm going to I'm going to go first since I read 
first. I am, I've said this, I think the last classic or the one before that that we did, I said, I'm not going to rate classics anymore. They are what they are, and that's it. So when I finish it in Goodreads and it says, what do you want to give it? I say no rating. I will tell you this, I did enjoy the book. At first I started skimming it, like in the beginning, I'm like, okay, I got to read this quick. But then I found myself just like enthralled by it. The way he, juxt the juxtaposition between the joking around and the shenanigans and the lightheartedness, like it takes you, it catches you off guard when all of a sudden there's a horse running by tripping on its own intestines. Mm. And you're like, what the fuck? And then also like they're, they're talking about how hungry they are and then they're getting bombed and now there's a there's dudes running by that don't have feet and they're just running on stumps or there's a guy running with no head he hasn't realized that he doesn't have a head yet that type of thing. like how he does this i feel is really powerful so i think this book is definitely a classic a classic that deserves reading but i'm not gonna read it the movie on that end um i'm gonna separate my feelings about the adaptation from the book but i will give it a four out of ten i did not hate it I was just fucking bored. <laughs> and the fuck, like, the music, Jackie, we forgot to talk about the music. <laughs> da, 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 da. It was just like uh, somebody hit a, a bass note or something on repeat and turned the bass God. up. I'm like, why? It was jarring. Yeah. I think the first time it happened, I was like, oh, oh okay, all right, something's going to happen. Then nothing happened. And then it just kept happening at, like, the weirdest times. Mm -hmm. Fuck that. That, like... Is this a German thing? I, not not as far as I know. Like industrial German metal or something? They're like, dun, 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 dun. Mean, Rammstein, they're German. Yeah, maybe the, Rammstein did the music, the soundtrack for this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to look it up. Anyway, Jackie, what do you got? sorry. Okay. Unlike Mel, I will rate a classic. Because um, <laughs> guess what? I really hated Little Women and I'm not afraid of that. Uh, <laughs> the book, I'm going to say four out of five. Uh, the relationships between the soldiers in the book is really, really what makes it, and it makes it so, so difficult to deal with the loss. Yeah. Every last one of them dies. Spoiler! <laughs> they all die. But you get to learn snippets about their lives back home and what they are to each other, and I think that is really, really important when you're trying to understand what happened in a situation like this um movie however five out of ten i think too much was sacrificed from the book in an effort to maybe politicize the story a little bit oh that's a good point that's fair yeah i just i think i think that's that it, five out of ten fuck it <laughs> yeah they're they're they tried to turn the movie into a message which the book was enough of a message and granted that message yeah. was up to the interpretation of the reader but the movie was definitely trying to force a message on you by sacrificing things from the book and adding the German high command bullshit and stuff like that. The general, yeah, mm -hmm. that which I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna die on this hill. It's really not gonna happen. No, it's so far from reality. Yeah. All right, so we read, we watched, so you don't have to DNF. I am gonna I'm gonna stand on this hill. I'm gonna stake my claim, put my flag in there, and say, read it. I I don't think that you shouldn't watch the movie if you want to watch it. I think the cinematography of it is is beautiful. Um, it is. I agree with the 
review saying it is a, a sort of beautiful betrayal of the war, like how gruesome it is. There, there's a lot of stuff going on that it, it does do right. But I wouldn't watch it if you're trying to understand what the book is about. I would just watch it as as if you were watching 1917 or Saving Private Ryan or Band of Brothers. Like, just watch it for that. But if you really want to know what this author... And this author did serve during World War One. He was wounded five times. So he's not just making shit up. This is a work of fiction, but there's a lot of truth in here. So if you want to hear essentially a fictional first-person retelling of trench warfare, I would definitely read the book. And now I will sit down on my hill, Jackie. <laughs> he was also exiled, partly because yeah. of this book. And his sister was beheaded. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we didn't even touch on all that. I think when we post the page in Discord, mm -hmm. um, we can post some of those links, the background information for yeah. it, so people can look. Okay, my take on it is if you are interested in books or movies about the horrors of war, definitely read the book. If you don't like either, don't do either. You will not enjoy your time reading those or reading that book or watching that movie. It's a trigger. Yeah. Stuff for sure. Uh, next week, we are just doing a complete 180. <laughs> we are going from trench warfare to high school and love letters. Teenage girls. Yep. <laughs> the absolute opposite of everything that we just talked about. Because we are going to do Jenny Han's To All the Boys I Loved Before. Because Netflix did create uh, an original adaptation of it. All right. So let's uh, flip. Heads is read. And Tails is watch. Jackie, what are you calling? Mm -hmm. Tails. Or no. Or... Or are we doing shoes? We're doing shoes. Okay. okay so um, I'm going to say heads. Okay. Jackie's saying heads. Yeah. If it's heads, Jackie gets to choose if she reads or watch first. We are so fucking dumb. <laughs> I hope everyone listening understands how difficult we just made this. Yeah. All right. You said heads? Yes. Uh, it is heads, Jackie. So do you want to read or watch first? I'm going to watch first. Thank you. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. Jackie's going to watch first. I'm going to read first. And then we're going to come together. And do this sh bullshit that we do here. <laughs> it's not bullshit. Anyway. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to, you know, like, follow, share, do all that crazy stuff. Talk to us. We love it. Uh, you know, but until then, you know, bye. Bye. bye.